Good morning everybody, it's your Friday night DM Shay Cormack speaking and it's a lovely sunny Saturday morning, it's the morning after the night before and uh, the night before we played D&D and we had a great fun uh, game and we had a couple of new players, one who had never played D&D before uh, who threw themselves into the role of being a bloodthirsty barbarian, I did have to warn them off uh, murdering townsfolk for their money but uh, other than that he did very well and uh, we also had a, another player join us who hadn't played in decades and uh, I think he really enjoyed returning to the hobby and it looks like he's going to be back on a regular basis so great game last night and uh, just put me in mind of uh, the podcast and talking about a couple of topics um, that, I, that I'm thinking about at the moment just to finish off um, some of the um, required point things uh, for a West Marches open table game, um, I went back and reviewed uh, the literature from um, the Alexandrian. So again, really worth anyone interested in this topic to go to the Alexandrian blog and look up the open table manifesto. And I was just looking at that to double check if I had missed anything. And there was a couple of points that I have missed, but I don't find them to be particularly important. Um, so, but I'll just run over those really quickly. Firstly, quick character generation. So if you're having an open table and you, part of an open table is trying to encourage new people to come and play, come and try out the game without any commitment of preparation or understanding the rules or coming back for a second turn, um, there's just very little commitment at all in terms of time. It's just turn up, play the game. And so we had that situation last night. We had two new people. Um, one of them was never ever played before. And when he arrived, um, I just fished around in my drawer of pre-generated characters and uh, got him a pre-made barbarian character that I'd made a while ago. Um, I'm actually quite a big fan of using the pre-generated characters uh, that Wizards of the Coast have available um, on their website. So I've got all of those characters, I, there must be about, there's quite a few, there's over 10 different uh, pre-generated pre characters they have. And each character it has a character sheet um, for levels 1 through 10, I've got a, something like that. And I've got, I've got them all printed out. Um, at least to level three or four. So if you want to play a dwarf paladin um, or, or a human barbarian, I've got the pre-generated characters from level one through four for that, um, for that class and, and race combination ready to go. So that's a great solution that 5th edition offers. You can have pre-generated character sheets waiting for people to use if they turn up or maybe if they die halfway through a session and they want to get started again real quickly, you can just pull out a pre-made um, character sheet. I often uh, encourage all my players to have a backup character already built so that if they do die partway through a session, they've got a new character of their own creation waiting for them to play. The other um, new player we had last night who hadn't played for decades, um, I knew he was quite technically uh, capable and able to use a computer. Um, and so I directed them to the D&D Beyond website where you can make a character with very little understanding of the process just by following along um, 
the step-by-step -step process um, on the website and he had no trouble at all creating his character and uh, even on D&D Beyond they have the option of pushing a button and it will just randomly generate you a level one character of uh, the race and class um, that you specify. So all you have to choose is your race and your class. Maybe you even choose your gender, I can't remember. But basically, you just push a button and it's done for you. So character creation in D&D couldn't really be easier um, and quicker. And even really doing it by pen and paper with a player's handbook. If you're familiar with the player's handbook, you can make a first level character very, very quickly. I would say in less than 10 minutes, especially if it's um, not going to be heavy spell casting. Or if you're uh, aware of what's going on with spellcasters, then um, then it's not that long anyway because if a level one spellcaster is only going to have, you know, pick three cantrips and a spell. So it's not too onerous to create characters in fifth edition. So that's just one of the points that uh, the Alexandrian brings up. There's another point that they um, go into a default goal. Now in last week's uh, or last episode that I had. I talked about the default action, but not a default goal. Now, I do like the idea of having a default goal, but it's not really that necessary, I don't think, because most people that are playing D&D have got this default goal, be a murder hobo. You know, who knows what the percentages must be, something like 90% of people who play D&D um, want to kill monsters, steal all their, all their gold and their treasure, and get amazing magic items and go up in levels. That's the default goal of most people who want to play D&D. You don't have to tell them to do that. They just, they naturally do that. That's what you do. If you're reading a fantasy book or watching a fantasy novel, you know, the characters go out and get into adventures. They don't really want to sit around knitting beside the fire. That's not what they're here to do. So you don't really have to have an overt um, default goal. But it is a good idea to have something along that lines. In the Rime of the Frostmaiden, we do have one default goal. There is an unending winter, and rumour has it that um, the goddess of winter is the source of this unending winter. It would be very nice if the unending winter finished. So there's kind of like a background default goal of try and get powerful enough and figure out where Oriel is or how you might confront her to finish the winter. So we've got like some kind of overarching um, default goal but in general uh, the characters want to just get loot level up and grow more powerful I labored on the um, topic of character progression and uh, leveling up in my last um, episode uh, because I find it so important for D&D uh, to stay in the low to mid levels um, to really get the most out of the game I think um, you quickly run out of interesting no, you don't quickly run out of interesting uh, monsters to throw against people, but I think there's so much in fantasy, especially literature, where it's the simple monsters. Like in, say, Lord of the Rings, you know, you fight, for the most of the time, just lots of orcs, you know, and some goblins. There's not this, this whole menagerie of different monsters that you're fighting to, to have a variety of different level co um, combat-rated creatures for you to face. Um, and so that, I just think there's so much to be mined in D&D and in fantasy role-playing games just with the simple low-level monsters that you can um, encounter but in interesting um, combinations or situations that make them uh, challenging.
Um, so I, I'm going with a slower level progression and that's part of my default, default goal. A lot of people want to increase the level of their character. They want to grow more powerful. And uh, so at the moment, um, I'm borrowing a little bit of the leveling progression uh, idea from um, the Wizards of the Coast, um, I've just forgotten the name of it, the organized play. And basically an organized play in, in uh, Wizards of the Coast, for every session you play, you level up. Once you get to level four, I think, for every two sessions you play, you level up. So at the moment, I've started with my characters because I want to slow it down. If you play two, two sessions as level one character, you progress to level two. If you play four sessions as a level two character, you'll progress to level three. And I'll probably do something similar. Another four sessions at level three to get to level four. And then we might slow it down even further. Um, and just see how, see how that fits um, with the content that we have and the adventures that we have to play. But the meat of today's episode, the main topic I want to talk about is doing reboots or change of points of view. Now I've spoken about this um, in episodes further back in my back catalogue, uh, but I want to talk about it again because it's a, it's a lot of fun. And so the idea is, if the characters are getting too powerful uh, and they're kind of outmatching a lot of the challenges that are available to them in the area they're in, you can get them to start as completely new characters by completely changing the team format. And so even though this is a bit of a spoiler for my players, I was thinking about it a little bit this morning and I thought, you know, a great reboot could be a Den of Thieves reboot where I get everyone at some point to make completely new characters. They all have to be part members of uh, the Guild of Thieves or the Thieves Guild or maybe we'll call it the Den of Thieves. Um, and so you all have to probably be even either a rogue um, or maybe you could get away with being a bard if you have the charlatan uh, background and possibly even the option of maybe being a cleric if you take uh, the trickster god as your tr as your um, as your whatever subclass. So we can do this interesting reboot where everyone starts again at level one. So we can mine some of the um, additional um, low-level um, adventures and uh, challenges that are scattered around the map that maybe some of the players are just too powerful for now, but we don't want to waste all that w wonderful content. Um, maybe we can restart this Den of Thieves in um, a city that they haven't really explored or an area that they haven't really explored much yet. And we can just throw a different spin on the motivation. So I was thinking along the lines of, so the, the Guild of Thieves have realized that, you know, if this winter keeps going on, it's really bad for business. And what's bad for business is bad for the thieves business because there's less to steal, there's less to, less to intimidate and extort um, if local businesses are failing. So they're highly motivated to deal with the goddess of winter in this unending winter so that business can flourish in the 10 towns and there'll be more pickings uh, for the thieves guild. So we can have a motivation for why they want to help um, the situation, but they're all thieves. We get some interesting dynamics where um, people are going to want to make varied versions of a rogue, you know, so people um, are going to try different subclasses so they get a bit of a variety amongst the party because if everyone just goes as to be a 
you know, a dexterous um, rogue with a crossbow, well, they're going to have some severe limitations to the team. So some people are going to want to not necessarily use their best stat on dexterity. Um, and so that makes some really interesting uh, character builds. It also does mean there probably will be some kind of weakness to the team. Um, like, the chances are there's not going to be that many characters that are going to put much of a, a focus on strength. Um, so that if I put some challenges in front of them, like, you know, logs have fallen across the road and they've got to lift and shove them out of the way, well, that might be a real difficult challenge for them. Um, I remember when I did a reboot in my previous hex crawl, we called them the Holy Rollers and everyone had to be a monk, a cleric or a paladin. Well, it turns out that no one really, um, no one really focused on perception very much. So most of the characters um, weren't very good at spotting traps. And in one particular instance, they went into a trap, trap heavy dungeon and they were, you know, some of the characters who were liking to go to the front of the party were forever falling into traps or setting off traps. And, you know, they would struggle to pick open doors or, or um, you know, open locks on chests because no one had these tools. There were no, th no thieves in the party. So you can get some really interesting dynamics uh, when you use this idea of rebooting the whole team. You also, because you've got this new motivation for why the group are together and why they're adventuring and their ultimate goal you get to mine the setting and see what starts to really resonate with the players I found that uh, you know if you do this three or four times uh, through the adventure you'll find that the players seem to really resonate with one one team more than than or one idea or theme more than they have the others and you know that's where you can really focus in um, and, and mine out those themes uh, you know so for example the holy rollers you know you've got some religious themes and if people are really picking up on that you can throw your weight against that that theme of religiousness and um, just start putting more of that into the game and I know especially when my players played as the misfits who were teenage goblins um, roaming the countryside and getting up to mischief they really love that so we just put in more and more um, grey area type challenges where there were different ways of approaching things that weren't necessarily uh, the, the lawful good way of dealing with things you know you had anti-heroes like um, crime bosses who were both extremely evil but also helpful and useful um, and easy to get along with so you can do so much stuff uh, with an open table and uh, there's just no limit to it so I'm looking forward to thinking about some of the other reboots that we can do within the setting. I'm very keen to do the Den of Thieves um, because I, I haven't done one where I've forced everyone basically to all be rogues. Um, but I'm also going to think about what other reboots I can do that will get some interesting team dynamics um, when I start to limit either. So th this is what I like to play with doing a reboot is I, I'll think about limiting the race choices or limiting the class choices or putting some other limits uh, on the characters, some constraints on them, uh, so that the players have to be really um, ingenious in their character creation, and they all get to explore things they normally wouldn't. Because there's a lot of people who will always play a spellcaster, or always like to play a rogue or a, or a ranger. They want to have ranged attacks and they want to be dex-based. Well, when you put the, um, the restraint on them, that oh, you're not even allowed to be a ranger or a, or a rogue, you have to be a paladin or a monk, that 
forces them to try something they haven't tried before and they might find they they really enjoy it i just want to mention that's another great thing about um, killing characters off you know it's not the end of the world if your character dies because you get to create a whole new character and explore a new character uh, with a new personality and different motivations um, and that can be a lot of fun as well so i hope that's a little bit more food for you food for thought um, for you all thank you so much for uh, continuing to listen and uh, please don't hesitate to send in any queries or comments I love to get your feedback. Thanks guys, see ya. I want to quickly add two addendums. Firstly, I'm probably not gonna do the Den of Thieves idea. After I re-listened to this episode, I realized mm, I have actually done quite a bit of themes where the characters are of dubious nature. I would like to force everyone to be rogues, but I might rethink that and uh, pick some other theme to pursue. Um, maybe something a little bit more righteous in nature. And uh, secondly, I wanted to talk about that default action. I realized when I was talking about the leveling up system, the way I'm doing leveling up is not based on how much loot, how much um, gold or how much experience you gain from killing monsters, but it's based on how much you play. So in old school D&D, you would get your experience based on how much treasure you gained. And, and that's how you would level up. So you're motivated to go out and explore this countryside to find treasure. Sometimes it's guarded by monsters which you might kill or trick or sneak past. The goal was to get the treasure so you could level up. In later editions of D&D, like 5th edition, you get experience points for killing monsters and so the motivation is kill monsters so you can level up. But if we play it based on the number of sessions you play, we're making, it's like a meta default action. The default action is not kill monsters or steal loot or do anything adventurous the goal is turn up and play the game that's how you level up your character and I really love thinking about it like that and I'm going to keep thinking about it in those terms because that's what I want to promote I want my friends to come to my house sit at the table with me play D&D and have fun and so if I can base the leveling up system and the default goal is to come and play D&D with me, all the better. So keep playing D&D with your friends and having fun. See you later.